Hello, listeners. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Aaron Hind, who is the co-founder and president of LifeAid Beverage Company, where they reimagine what you drink. Now, LifeAid is a leading manufacturer of premium, healthy, and convenient nutritional products designed to boost performance and speed recovery for people pursuing active and healthy lifestyles. Basically, they make vitamins that you'll enjoy drinking. Today, the entire Life Aid line of Fit Aid, Focus Aid, Party Aid, Life Aid, Immunity Aid, Golfer Aid, and Fit Aid Clean Energy and Powder Sticks continue to dominate niche markets as well as garnering significant traction in conventional channels such as Whole Foods, Sprouts, Safeway, Kroger, Publix, and more. In this episode, Aaron shares with us what it really means to be a leader at Life Aid, or as we might like to call it, a leader aid. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. What does it truly mean to be a leader? Welcome to The Executive, a podcast that highlights the career journeys, struggles, successes, and day-to-day experiences of leaders. I'm your host, Dr. Benjamin Ritter, bringing over 10 years of experience as a leadership and career coach, L&D consultant, and healthcare executive. My mission is to guide leaders towards creating a career they can love. Thank you for listening. Now let's hear from the executive. So Aaron, I appreciate you joining us again. Uh, I've been been really looking forward to our conversation and I, my mind was a little, kind of a little drained today. I've been traveling a lot. You know, it's been kind of the mid afternoon, but I got my focus aid with me. So pr- product placement. Smart man, smart yeah. man. Even though this is mostly audio, but <laughs> I'm excited to to have you on the podcast and we we've talked before specifically about you, your journey, and kind of like almost your your founder story. But I haven't really gotten your perspective on leadership, and I'm, so that's why I'm really excited to actually have this conversation today. And this is a super broad first question. So are, are you okay with broad questions? Absolutely. Okay, Aaron, define your leadership philosophy, your leadership brand, yeah, your persona it- as a leader. It's evolved quite a bit over the years, and and I I believe that it's evolved, and, and I, I want to say it's evolved in a positive way. It's matured, you know. When um, if you would have asked me this ten or eleven years ago, when we when we first started, I guess twelve years ago now, life in, it was very uh, alpha male dominant, if you will. My you know my style was like you know get the troops fully aligned, you know, pound your chests and lead them out into battle. Um, and what I realized, especially as the team has grown and, and as uh, time has gone on, and I've been in lots of different situations with different team members, you know, not everyone responds to that. That, that actually does, you know, they're typically uh, younger, you know, men uh, of military background or, or athletic backgrounds respond really well to that style of leadership. Uh, it, generalizing, you know, females, especially older females or females that have some traumatic history, don't respond well to that at all. And so, my style has really evolved in um, in really working to match my style of leadership and communication with the specific audience group, whether I'm addressing the entire team. Uh, whether I'm working with people one-on-one. And so, you know, learning to pull things back and be a little less rah-rah and more Socratic and soften my voice a little bit 
and uh, in, in getting to where we need to be. That, that doesn't mean that we haven't, you know, set very clear goals and objectives and have OKRs and KPIs around those goals and objectives and are leading people, you know, with clear and concise communication. But I think the style of the delivery, the style of the communication is what has really changed. So some leaders have told me before, well, Ben, you know what? I don't need to lead according to the people that I hire because they can leave if they want to. And so why don't you just hire a bunch of young, you know, army background men that yeah. are good with the rah-rah style of leadership? Like, well, one, what, our, what consumer, is motivation? our consumer yeah. base is diverse and therefore we need a diverse team. You know, if I was only catering to that demographic, uh, from our products perspective, then I, I think that would be fine. It probably wouldn't be fine though, because then you don't know what you don't know. And if you have a bunch of, you know, yes men or like-minded thinkers, then all you're going to do is, is be very myopic in your approach. And so because we have a diverse customer base and we have a very diverse team and we really look for people, uh, we seek out, you know, their unique ability, which is different than than my own, which also takes some time and, and maturity, right? I mean, naturally, you want you attract and you want to hire people that kind of see the world through the same type of lens that you do. And you realize that that is uh, detrimental to the overall objectives when you when you narrow the field down and, and get too myopic. And so we have a you know, very diverse team from different countries, different backgrounds, different age groups, um, even different worldviews, different political perspectives. And, but it's built upon, you know, mutual, mutual trust. It's built upon an ethos of doing what we say when we're going to do it, setting clear uh, expectations and uh, really going through, you know, the life aid core values, you know, having fun doing, doing uh, what we do, you know, work hard, play hard. We, a lot of people, you know, will ask, well, how do you balance, you know, a company, how do you balance work life and, and your personal life? And I go, there is no such thing as work life or personal life. It's just life. You know, what happens to you, what happens at work affects how you relate with your wife when you get home. If you got in a big blowout fight with your significant other, it's going to affect how you show up the next day at work. Like it's just life. So recognizing that everyone is living, we all have, you know, very common interests and goals in, in this life that we're living and treating people with, with trust and respect and autonomy has really, you know, I think worked out well for us in the long run. It's an interesting thought process of we, we want people to share our values as a company. We want them to, to be aligned to specific expectations. But at the same time, we also want a, a way to have diversity of thought to, for innovation and creativity. And those different perspectives can, can prevent us from getting in trouble and getting caught up. And that is such a, a, a leadership, uh, it's, you have to be so so astute in terms of how you're leading others and how you're crafting that culture of a team. How, how did you actually come up with your core values? Well, primarily through, you know, Orion and I, my business partner sitting down and saying, you know, what is truly important to us? Like what is our North star? What are we unwilling to compromise on? Um, you know, and you know, what type of, 
people are we looking to attract? I mean, so often, especially in the public education system, the the preparation is around, you know, what do you want to be when you quote unquote grow up? That's the wrong question altogether. I don't care what you want to be. Who do you want to be is what I care about. You know, what type of person? Are you a person of integrity? You know, are you a person that's coming from a place of love and abundance? Or are you a person that's coming from a place of, you know, scarcity and manipulation? And so attracting that type of person is has always been our North Star and creating that type of company and culture and products as well. You know, and, and those type of products, transparent products, clean products, efficacious products. And so when we're developing our core values, you know, that's really our North Star. And so, you know, creating um, the the most fun, engaging and energetic workplace environment, you know, is a core value. I mentioned, you know, work hard and, and play hard. You know, um, uh, uh, be curious, ask questions, um, be uh, solutions focused, not uh, not uh, solutions oriented, not problem focused. Like you look at, you know, our core values, it's like these are the type of human beings that we look to attract in our company, not whether you're Republican or Democrat, liberal or conservative, you know, old or young, this or that. Like we don't care about any of that kind of stuff. What we do care about is the type of human being you are because you attract good human beings. You can have mass diversity of thought and people can still come together and really find alignment and find agreement on the vast majority of issues. I think where we've gotten away from that is, you know, a lot of the media that we're subjected to, if we're tuning into that type of thing, uh, gives a gives a massive uh, voice to the vocal minority, not the rational majority. So true. And I asked the question about core values because when you're leading people from that have different perspectives and require a different style of leadership, if you have the boundaries or the framework of core values, you have a mutual understanding of what you're working towards and the expectations that you have for them from just a, a human perspective outside of the KPIs and the strategic goals that you have, which will then allows you as a leader to kind of almost have tools in your tool belt to pull from to help lead different individuals that have maybe a different way of viewing the world or a project or doing the work, but you're still doing it in a way that aligns with the company at its core. Fully agree. So then how do those play a role into, let's say, executive planning? Or let's we have you know 2020, we have 2024 coming up just to, to date this ex, ex, episode, but I imagine you're working on objectives and kind of what's next. We are. Yeah, we currently have the entire executive team uh, flew out and we had a board meeting yesterday that that went well. And uh, we are in the middle of uh, executive planning and 2024 planning and talking about a full range of topics. And, you know, we empower the team to, uh, you know, to put different topics forward that they're important, that are important to them. And it's been just this last day and a half. It's just been so revealing on so many different levels. You know, we, uh, we don't know what we don't know. And sometimes we're charging forward. I'll give you an example. We had a discussion today, you know, and, and we had a long discussion about separating out problems and solutions. You know, a lot of us, uh, especially in the executive team are more alpha driven, which is like, okay, you got a problem. I'm going to tell you what the solution is right away. Let's implement it and move on. And if we haven't clearly aligned or even defined what the problem is, we may not even be trying to solve for the right thing. Or I may be just brainstorming a solution, but because 
people hold my opinion and and maybe a greater weight than than some others they say well that's the opinion we're going with no no no. i'm not saying go with my opinion i'm just shooting the shit here i'm just brainstorming trying to you know tease out what the what the best path forward is so understanding these different cognitive bias that exists and you know really creating structures to uh, uh, not allow ourselves to 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 repeat those same mistakes of the past has has been great and really eye opening. We use a lot of surveys, you know, where we're doing sometimes anonymous, sometimes not anonymous. So really, how do we solicit feedback and not just create this you know top down approach where everyone gets their marching orders? Because if you're just straight top down, you don't have buy in from the team. And if you really want to create fanatics and i don't say fanatics in a negative light but but true fanatics in a positive way where you're fully aligned you know like henry ford says when everyone's moving forward together success will take care of itself well how do you get that full alignment you have to be very socratic you know things have to come these ideas from the ground up so we set maybe the the overarching goal and strategy you know saying okay you know the, the um, right now obviously the climate's changed we're late 2023 the the cheap money has dried up you know we're maybe on the brink of a recession at least people are have recessionary behaviors going on uh you know the, the from a business's a small and medium sized business everything is all talking about the bottom line and ebitda and profitability right now so the objective of say grow at all costs to has changed significantly from the board to hey you need to be ebitda positive stand on your own two feet have sound business models get rid of unprofitable relationships etc so when that is you know then the new objective that we're we're moving towards from a business perspective you know then it's like okay how do we get there you know how do we get there team like you know you give us the ideas and let's let's tease these things out and uh, empowering people to to feel heard you know i talked to you know some of my friends that are employees at other companies and they've never even talked to or met the ceo before i'm like really i'm like shit i talk to everybody all the time they all have my cell phone they could text me slack me anytime you know and they typically do, which I, you know, I love. I love that level, kind of that flatter organization and high levels of communication. It wasn't always that way. It's, you know, it takes time to develop and people need to get used to that environment and feel empowered and and uh, and supported when, when they do speak up. How did you figure out that you were jumping to, to solutions too fast from problems? Just stepping back and thinking about things and then hearing the feedback from the team, like, Oh, I'm, a, you know, my plate's full. Or I'm a little overwhelmed or you've kind of, you know, you, you had, we were working on this project and then you, you wanted us to do this. And I said, that's interesting because I didn't actually want you to do that. That was just what I thought was a brainstorming session on where we were trying to create a solution for this particular problem. And I said, wow, maybe we're not fully aligned on what the problem is, or maybe we're trying to solve for this little problem. And by doing so, we're creating 10 other problems. People do this all the time with software stacks. Oh, our CRM doesn't have this little feature. Okay, well, let's integrate a new CRM that takes care of that feature. Oh, guess what? Now a hundred other things are broken and now we have to do all these new integrations and new training and brain drain and you know it costs more money and all of this stuff we're not we're not really understanding 
you know, what the tr the problem is. So um, looking at just at what the, the feedback was from the team, recognizing that, okay, I don't believe that we're clearly identifying the problem A and B, we're jumping too quickly to, to conclusions and, and to solutions. And those solutions typically are things that are coming from me versus the other team, even though there were lots of ideas that were floated around. Oh, they're, they're weighing my idea heavier or even worse they're there's there's they're thinking that whatever comes out of my mouth from an idea or brainstorming session is gospel and that's what we're going with you know not the case so now i need to do a better job at like taking a step back communicating my observation recognizing you know their feedback of feeling overwhelmed or direction changes and that kind of thing and then going well what's really going on here let's let's deconstruct this let's dissect this process and figure out how can we implement new processes so we don't continue to repeat the same thing over and over again. It's really special that you keep mentioning feedback because it sounds like you're getting feedback from your employees and then taking that feedback to executive planning. And I can I worked with a lot of leaders who are building feedback loops and I worked with a lot of unhappy employees who wish their feedback was heard from the executive leadership. I mean, it's one of the main reasons why someone will will trust or not their executive leadership team is not just can they provide feedback, but do, do they feel that it was heard and maybe not implemented, but at least responded to. Uh, and so, how do you? I guess what are, what has been what have been some of the most successful ways of soliciting feedback? And then, I'd love to hear too, like how you even bring that to an executive planning session. Yeah. Uh I mentioned surveys. Surveys are powerful. I mean, people should use surveys, do surveys uh, probably more frequently than, than typically we are. Um, setting the culture or expectation around, I'm, I'm going to call on you. I'm expecting, you know, you to poke holes in this, or I'm expecting your input on this process or procedure, having very specific Slack channels too are helpful, you know, instead of having, I mean, obviously we're in consumer packaged goods. So instead of having just a general sales Slack channel, which we have where people are posting, you know, the, there's a, a pressure to only post wins, right? Because it's like, oh, the whole team sees this Slack channel. People are posting these big wins and all these beautiful displays, or they, you know, they just got this new account or that kind of thing. It, it's not the environment to tease out, well, what are the challenges? What's really going on, right? So having more specific channels around Here's Save Mart Luckies, a specific chain, right? And the people in that that work with that chain, let's post the challenge before and afters. Let's post the challenges. So you know, the tighter that we can make it, the more specific, where it's not just a big cheerleading session, but you know, where we can really get down and and dive deep into what's really going on. That's been you know super helpful as well. And then ultimately. You know, bringing on the right type of people coming back to those core values, bringing on the right type of, of human being, empowering them, you know, uh, uh, um, communicating with them clearly on what your expectations are, you know, what the goals are, what those expectations are, being Socratic on how they believe we can achieve those goals, and then frequently checking in on it. Now, a lot of people like set things and then kind of forget it without the accountability. And, and look, humans, you know, by nature, we can get a little bit lazy. You know, if I don't have um, 
you know, if I'm not married or whatever, it would be easy for me to kind of go back down a bachelor lifestyle. Maybe I'm not making my bed like I do every morning, or maybe I'm leaving some dishes in the sink versus just getting them done all the time because there was there's not accountability there. So having the accountability piece, I think, is super important as well. Yeah, surveys, accountability, listening, uh, all all great like concepts and. I guess, how does that then inform the executive team? You said you just got everyone together. What what are the stages that you're using to, I guess, implement that feedback and make sure it's heard and making sure that it's actually Im- impacting strategic planning? Uh, Emily, our CMO, has done a great job at, at creating a Google uh, doc uh, outlining. So at first, we knew we set the date. We, we outlined the objectives that, hey, we want to all come together and really think about the company culture and our marketing and our positioning, our products, new products, what 2024 looks like. So it kind of set very broad strokes. And then we had a brain dump where people over a several week period of time would just add random notes to the Google Sheets, random stuff. Like it didn't matter. You know, it was like, hey, just dump anything in here. And then she went through and she got all the feedback. She took survey results from the the general, the company um, as a whole, and then organized it and, and time slotted everything. It's like, okay, from 10 to 1030, we're dealing with this topic and we're going to do round robins. And she's done a great job so far, really breaking it up, keeping the flow going and kind of um, marshalling, you know, my ADD sense of just jumping all over the place and, and, and keeping us on, on track there. I love how you're just saying like surveys, Google Sheets. It really is. Yeah, you don't have to have some crazy software that guides the whole thing. It's like the tools that we're already using work just fine for this type of thing. I get pinged a lot about the tools I use and how I grow my business. And I'm a bootstrapper. I do everything. It's been my own funding. I'm like, what's the simplest way I can do something to keep things organized with the littlest amount of effort that I also have to input into it? And it's, right. you can get a lot done. I mean, depending on your scale with really simple tools, you don't have to make something complicated. And the more you complicate something, the less likely people are going to use it. Everyone knows how to use Google Sheets. Absolutely. Yeah. A, a simplicity is key, you know, and, and that can be applied to everything. It can be applied to your, your organizational structure, your marketing, you know, your strategic planning, you know, your meetings, like keep it, simple, keep it, you know, uh, where everyone can understand it. You know, there's no ambiguity, how we communicate around that super important. It's one thing I really nerded out on in the last couple of years. And it's just super up leveled for myself and for our team. Um, uh, taking, you know, Mark's, I don't know if you've uh, taken Mark's vocabulary course uh, before, but, you know, basically eliminating soft talk and negations and projections from how we communicate around here has been a massive up-leveling of, of how we do things and how we communicate. If I'm a leader in a company, which I am, and, and I'm saying, well, we might try this, we could sort of maybe do that. I don't know. Like, yeah. So if you're using a lot of soft talk or, or, or negations, nobody knows what the hell's going on. They're like, did you like it or not? Is that, you know, is this what we're doing or not doing, you know, indecisiveness. I'm not saying we always make the right decision, but, you know, being Socratic, getting alignment and then making the decision and moving it forward, what right or wrong, at least you continue to move forward. Uh, companies that just kind of are dog paddling in, in indecisiveness or or negations. Oh, we can't, won't, shouldn't, right? Uh, what are we doing? You know, focus on what we are doing 
And uh, it has created uh, another level of clarity with with everybody. And now we hold each other accountable for it. When we hear other people using soft talk or negations, they get called out. They call out themselves. They call out other people in their department. And it just continues to keep the level of communication super high. Can you tell me how you rolled something like that out in an organization? That sounds amazing. Yeah, Uh when I first was exposed to it, I said, well, you know, this is a no brainer and I'm a, you know, human Guinea pig. I've tried everything you can try at one point or another from, you know, all of my morning routines and, and all the things that I do. It's like, I want to continue. I want to be the best version of myself. And I know that I, I can visualize what that looks like. Right. And I know where my deficiencies are. So getting the specific tools, whether it's your, your podcasts or books or, or speakers or mentors that, that, I know will move forward the specific rock that I'm feeling deficiency in and moving that forward. So when I was first exposed to this language um, um, module, you know, it was like a few hundred bucks. It was like a minimal commitment every day. I mean, like five, seven minutes for basically a month, you know, five days a week. Said, so, well, this is a no-brainer. Let's roll this out to the company. So we, you know, bought a, a bunch of the the passes, and I said, hey, this has really helped me. You know, check it out and let's get on board with it. And then a few people took it, and they reported back, wow. I mean, not only is it helping me at work, but gosh, I can't believe it. I've been telling my kids you know, don't run in the house for the last two years. And all they're hearing is run in the house because the brain doesn't, it can't interpret a, a negation. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't understand. If we tell your audience, you know, whatever you do, don't think of a giraffe right now. You know, you, you the human mind cannot help, but have an image of a draft in your mind. It's impossible. Right. And so, Instead of don't run to the house, we say, well, what's the, what's the, you know, how do we get rid of the negation? How do we reverse the negation? Hey, walk in the house. That's the rule. Walk in the house, right? It's like, it's simple stuff that we're doing it all the time. And then taking it a, a step further, what I've realized, especially with teams and, and with the hiring process, if you're hearing somebody during an interview process that communicates heavily on soft talk and negations, they're typically in a victim mindset or they're in a victim paradigm, which is not a good team member. You know, I mean, that's typically ends up very badly. And and so just being aware of it now and having that on my spider senses, you know, my radar's up, uh, it's really helped who we work with, the type of people that we work with, the type of people that we attract. Based on what you just shared with me, I would love to hear just a short snippet on how you how you operate like what your philosophies are for performance management or development that's in regards to feedback reviews ratings whatever it is just what you found to work best for your team and your company yeah we we had a structure set up quite some years ago now, primarily around the Rockefeller habits and uh, moving rocks forward, you know, in the business, when we're working in the business, we, it's so easy to get caught in the day to day and putting out fires and getting very myopic about all aspects of it. Cause you're just so close to it. And through this process, and it's a quarterly process that we reset it, we have every individual set between five and six 
objectives and key results, OKRs. One of them is going to be a personal OKR, meaning very personal, like I'm going to stop drinking for this quarter. Or I'm going to learn to play guitar. Or I'm going to go on a weekly date night with my wife or whatever it is. And the rest of them are OKRs that they believe that moving these specific rocks forward, move forwards the overall department objectives and therefore contributes to what the company, what it, the direction we're going, right? The trajectory of the company. Uh, because when you add up successful quarters, then you have successful years and you add three, four, five, ten of those up, you can move mountains, literally. You know, I mean, we very much overestimate what we can achieve in the short term, but we underestimate what we can achieve in the long term. And, you know, life goes by pretty quick. So you set these kind of things up, you're constantly moving rocks forward. You're 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 making some pretty big strides over time. And then we create a forward-looking vision statement based on the OKRs that have fed from the individual into the departments and then to the depart from the departments into the overall company. And we read that forward-looking vision statement as if those OKRs have already been achieved. So that's why it's a forward-looking vision statement. You know, um, you know, it's January 1st, 2024, and what a Q4 it's been. Uh, you know, even though we were out of beverage season and it was in the winter months, we, you know, buckled down and focused on that, you know, and you're reading this out loud every single week during our all hands meeting to continue to remind people and a different person reads it every week. What are we aiming for? You know, what actually, yes, we have to do the day to day. Of course we do. But what, what rocks actually propel us forward into the trajectory that we need to be on in order to be the company that we know we can be? And it's been a great process, a powerful process. We report out every week on percentage completion of those OKRs. Department heads report out on, on their specific department's uh, percentage completion. And the department heads are consistently meeting with their subordinates about, you know, where are you at on your OKRs? Are you know, have you been giving this project enough attention? You know, and we and we also um rank the the OKRs in order of priority. You know, there aren't 10 priorities. Priority is a singular word. It's it very recently become plural, but it, it's a, it, you know, the, the root word is singular, you know, so if, what is the priority? You know, and then from there, once that's achieved, what, you know, what then becomes the priority and, and having that type of mindset uh, where we want to move something all the way across the finish line to completion, especially when you're talking about rent revenue generation, you know, you can do the exercise where if you have, five different projects uh, that have the potential to produce revenue, but none of them produces until they're moved all the way to completion. You know, most people go, okay, I'm going to spend 10% here and then 10, and then they jump, 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 jump. And you realize, I think if you do the math, it literally takes you four or five times longer to, 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 to have the first uh, activity completed doing it that way versus just buckling down and focusing on what's actually moving the needle till it's completed. Good. Now that's producing. Let me move on to the next thing. That sounds like you spend a lot of time figuring out the organization structure and feedback loops. I mean, quarterly performance management, the forward looking vision statement, which is really unique weekly all hands, OKRs, priority, professional development, specifically around negation and soft talk. I'm sure there's a variety of other things. It's it's incredible. It's a lot of work. I guess what what gets in the way of that 
because I've seen a lot of really great structures. This sounds like almost like a dream organization to be a part of. What what would you say are some of the resistors, if any? Well, lack of alignment. So if you're not Socratic about it, if you're not getting buy-in from all affected uh, members of your team, then there, you're you're going to be met with resistance and you know resistance most great ideas fall by the wayside and they die because they weren't executed properly starting with buy-in of the team you know starting with being in complete and full alignment about what the objectives are that we're trying to achieve you know another another challenge is that we become or different team members become roadblocks to the process. You know, I just had a talk with, with one of my team members a couple of days ago. It's like, if you don't empower your team to say, Hey, here is the objective. You're a smart person, figure it out. And if you are just always just saying, well, I could get it done probably better and faster myself then all you're doing is you're creating overload and burnout for yourself. And they're getting the feeling that you, they, you don't have the confidence in them to take on a project and actually move it to completion. That may be the truth that you're going to get it done faster and potentially better. But as, as leaders, we need to be okay with getting things 80% of the way there, 80% as good as I would have done it myself, because it's not scalable to have you be the roadblock for all projects and all things and all decisions. You know, you have to have the team empowered and trained and be okay with, well, maybe it's not quite the same, but I'm sure you're you know, familiar with the Pareto principle and, and, and read the, uh, you know, there's a great book, the 80, 20 rule It's very interesting. The same type, the same time, money, and effort that it takes us to go from, complete novice to 80% of the way proficient in something to get to 96% proficiency. It takes the same time, money, and effort to go from zero to 80 as it does from 80 to 96. And then to go from 96 to 99, you have to double that time, money, and effort again. And then to go from 99 to 99.6, you have to double it again. 99.6 to 99.9, double it again. So it's crazy. You could literally be spending... 5x the resources to get to perfection or you're okay with hey we're 80 percent of the way there let's move on mm -hmm. and so how do you ensure that people are 80 percent of the way there that, that they are aligned and you're able to i guess cut the people that are holding the organization back because that does tend to be needed sometimes yeah, it does. And making the hard decisions when, when they need to be made. I mean, nobody likes confrontation. Most people don't. And um, avoiding the, it's like a relationship, right? Avoiding the, the hard, smaller conversation only leads to a much harder, larger conversation later on. And so setting those clear objectives and expectations. And like I said, checking in frequently and if people aren't aligned or or they're you know um, have an innate resistance to and and not in a positive way not in like hey challenging are we looking at it the right way or accurately or maybe we should look at it somewhere else but just like you know just not into it for whatever reason you're doing yourself your organization and most importantly them a disservice by keeping them on board you know, them a disservice. I've let people go before and they've called me two or three years later and said, 
thank God you let me go when you did. Like I was in this funky headspace and, you know, I wasn't performing up to my standards and, and that process of getting let go, like made me realize, you know, my, or my own shortcomings and that I really needed to change my uh, MO and how I was approaching things and my attitude, you know, then those are the two biggest things that, you know, that I'm always looking for too, is like attitude and effort. Those are the two things you can control in any given situation. I love you know, you read Victor Frankl's book. It's like, what's the takeaway in man's search for meaning? It's attitude and effort, regardless of the circumstances. I mean, you could be in the worst circumstances, concentration camps, every friend and family member you've ever had, you know, dead, murdered and tortured to death. But why did he survive? Attitude and effort. You know, and those are always the two variables that you can control. Anything else can really be taught, in my opinion. I mean, you can teach any skill set, but you can't teach, you know, attitude and effort. It's like something that has to come from with, within. I feel like attitude can be a little bit easier to learn and how to make sure that someone is engaged, to make sure that you're there for them and talking to them and to screen for it. You kind of know if someone's in if they're positive or if they're negative, if they're building relationships or not. At least that's that's my perspective. And but effort, effort can be tough, especially in a remote environment. How do you gauge effort? How do you keep a handle on it? Well, in the interview process, uh, it's super helpful to assign a, a task or a project uh, to the candidate and see what they return in a given time frame. Right. And you can tell, wow, they put some effort in. Like I'm a DJ too. Right. And uh, it's interesting us DJs all nerd out on each other, but you can tell when a DJ shows up and they've put preparation into their set or not, you know, and sometimes like they put no effort into that set. Well, how do I know the mixes aren't clean? They're just using tracks that everybody's already heard before. Like they just didn't put effort into it. But if someone shows up and the mixes are all tight and there's a bunch of tracks that nobody's heard yet, that means they spent the time digging through the new music that was just released and going through thousands of tracks to find the 50 that they're going to download to whittle it down to the 25 that they're actually going to play live and then spent the time making sure that they're in in um in in key and and that the bpms match and that everything kind of uh, kind of gels together well and creates an experience for the audience and for the people like you can tell the effort level and so a lot of times you know it's innate like i'm looking at something going you either put effort in or you didn't and we're you know we're looking for those that that are putting the effort in and if you're not putting effort in at, at work i think you're going to be exposed pretty quickly especially in smaller organizations and it's you know it's like okay this isn't the right place for you like there's a reason they're not putting effort in right if they're not motivated if they're not aligned if they're not engaged they're not going to put in effort so why are they even working here mm -hmm. yeah i know that there's this balance of how do i make sure that i'm situation situationally showing up as a leader that this person needs right now to engage and motivate them and to ensure that they're getting the support they need but at the same time, they have certain expectations around the work product that they need to create and the deliverables that are expected of them and those OKRs that they have to work towards. And no matter what, I feel like you have, and it sounds like this is within kind of how you might operate. You have expectations and then you coach and you coach and you develop and you assist and you support. But if you can't hit those expectations, like you've, the leaders have done their work, they've been there for that person. 
and maybe it's not the best place for them at the organization. Exactly, exactly. And in setting the OKRs, it's not that I'm giving them OKRs, right? They come to me with their OKRs, which is super important. It comes back to that more Socratic approach, you know, like here's the overall objective. You know, what do you think your OKR should be that, that helps us move towards that objective? You know, number one, getting alignment on the objective, but then what, what are your OKRs to help move us forward to that objective? And even in grading the OKRs, they grade them, not me. You know, now if there's, if we're way misaligned on a grade, of course I say something, or sometimes we have to change, you know, the grade they're giving themselves, but I'd say 85% of the time, they're not changing anything. They're being you know, very critical of themselves. Like, yeah, I got this done, but I kind of shit the bed here. And, you know, like, okay, uh, I give myself a 70 on that one. And I'm going to finish it up this quarter or whatever it is. Like, it's a, you know, it's really a, a great process. So I love how you have uh, co-founded a company that helps people perform at maximum capacity because you just basically gave an interview to help leaders perform at their maximum capacity. It's kind of like lead raid. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so if our listeners want to check out your company, your products, you, how do they do that? Well, our easiest way is, is always through our, our website, LifeAid, A-I-D, LifeAidBevco.com. If you check, if you're on Instagram, we're, we're most active there at FitAid, at FitAid on TikTok, LinkedIn. You can always check us out as well. Well, awesome. Thanks again, Aaron. And I hope I can find some of your beats online too. I don't know if you got some mixes the, out there. My DJ name is Where's Aaron? Where's Aaron with a question mark on SoundCloud? There's a, there, so of good. course, there's a story behind that, but yeah, Where's Aaron? Okay, story for another day. And so, yeah. thank you, Aaron. <laughs> Thanks, Doc. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go check out Where's Aaron right now. All right. Thank you for listening to the Executive Podcast, where we explore what it truly means to be a leader. If you've taken one thing away, make sure to subscribe, share, and most importantly, leave a review. Thanks again, everyone, and see you next time.